The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Uh, it's great to see you guys. We got some, some new faces and some old faces uh, and some dear friends that have come today. So man, welcome to all of you. Blessings to each and every one of you. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm Shay Haddock, associate pastor here on staff, thankful to serve the Lord in that capacity, and uh, I'm charged with bringing you the Word of God today, and hopefully uh, the Spirit of the Lord in me will have something uh, to test your heart and to encourage you uh, to carry out the will of God in your life today, so that's good news. Um, uh, we're going to be in Romans. Go ahead, with, if you would, <clears throat> turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12, book of Romans, chapter 12. We're going to be dealing primarily with verses 1 and 2, and quite honestly, you could probably spend an entire series, a sermon series, on just verses 1 and 2. Thank, Luckily for you and for me, we'll only be tackling them today. Jimmy's obviously been in our family series. Uh, Some of this will apply. This is just a one-off as I'm sparing Brother Jimmy, as he is recovering from some illness, so you guys add him to your prayer list. But read with me here in verses 1 and 2, book of Romans, chapter 12. We'll see what the Lord has to say to us. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Some texts may say this is your reasonable service. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Man, few things in life we care to know more about than that is the will of God for our lives, right? Whether we're actively thinking about it or, or consciously thinking about it all the time. I mean, I, I'm not thinking about the will of God for my life like every minute of every day, but an overarching question that I have, and all of us have, is, man, what is God's will for my life? Everybody in this room has asked that question, and here's good news. I got the answer today. It's right here. The Apostle Paul is going to teach us, and so I'm going to do my best to communicate that. So, man, I hope your ears are are perked up. I learned something here uh, as I was reading the text and and thinking about what God was showing me, and I want to communicate that to you guys. But the will of God uh, is something that we all want to know, and I think the first thing you'll want to know is that we sometimes mistake the will of God uh, for the the plan of God, okay? So a lot of us uh, think, oh man, we talk about the will of God 
we're talking about like what job we're supposed to take, you know, or what relationships we're supposed to pursue or what color we're supposed to paint the house, you know. These are just like decisions that we make in life. And certainly God has a plan for each and every one of us. And we all have decisions and choices to make uh, in accordance with the will of God or, or, or with the plan of God or apart from it, right? But the will of God um, is is... I'm going I'm to hope to describe that a little more for you today. The will of God, like to fulfill the will of God over your life is actually much easier than I think that we sometimes make it out to be. And so when Paul says, therefore, verse one, word number one, we always ask ourselves an old school Bible uh, Bible study is asking yourself, what is that there for, right? So I am going to back up briefly into verse 33 through 36 of chapter 11. Now, all throughout the book of Romans, which we obviously haven't been working through, but uh, it's just obviously the book of Romans is an amazing doctrinal, um, just is one of the, probably the most doctrinally rich books in all of scripture, certainly in the New Testament, as Paul explains um, everything from the law versus grace to uh, the inseparable love of God, um, a number of things. He gives a history lesson uh, about uh, how from from literally uh, Adam and Eve all the way to Jesus, and certainly even to this point, literally the Roman church, the the modern day Roman church that Paul was writing to, uh, he's given them a history lesson of how God, his mercies have been shown throughout human history. And he literally bursts out in what's this kind of a cool word, but it's called a doxology, which is like an explosion of praise. And so in verse 33 of chapter 11, uh, we're seeing what Paul says, therefore, for, right? So he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond traceability. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? It's a rhetorical question. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? You know, it's so good, man. God doesn't owe us anything, nothing. And that's good to remind ourselves of. For, this is key, for from him, through him, and for him are all things. All things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So it's almost like Paul, as he's writing this letter, He's overwhelmed with the goodness of God, and he just bursts out into this doxology of praise, right? And out of that, out of that um, excitement, he starts, therefore, I urge you. So he's saying, because of this, and this is so key, you know, because of all that God has done, because his judgments are unsearchable, because his paths are untraceable, uh, because uh, no one has counseled him. He is the great counselor, right? Um, because of that, I urge you. And so that, that word urge there is really a plea, right? It's a plea to make a decision. That's exercising our free will, right? We all have the free will to do and choose whatever we want to do. God's gracious to us in that way, right? God did not make us robotic, right? He didn't say, oh, Shay, I'm, you know, you're, you're going to preach the word and you're going to be in Romans 12, you know, on Sunday, whatever today is. That's not how it works, right? I made a choice to choose and obey the Lord and follow hard after him, even though it's not easy all the time. And sometimes it's not clear, uh, but man, it's a choice, right? And you say, Jesus, I'll follow. 
Jesus, I'll trust in you, right? Jesus, if you put the Holy Spirit in me, I have to believe that. Like, uh, you know, like even today, Jimmy literally called me at eight o'clock last night and was like, dude, I literally can't go, bro. You gotta, you gotta hop up there. I'm like, no problem, man. Like, normally that's a bit nerve wracking. Like, man, I mean, I, a lot of prep goes into preaching sermons and presenting notes and really just packaging a nice message for you guys so that you can hear and, and know what the word of the Lord might be for you. I mean, literally, I, like, I went to bed at nine. I was exhausted. So, you know, my point is, the Holy Spirit, man, is like, I'm, as I'm, uh, you know, my, my fleshly reaction was a little bit like, a little nervous, like, ah, oh, shoot, man, that's kind of late notice, you know, and I wasn't upset with him for it. You're just like, Lord, that's, that, that's not a lot of time, you know, but you're like, man, the Holy Spirit is in me. Like, if I'm really walking with Jesus, if I really believe what the Bible says, then the, 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 the Spirit of God lives in me, like the same Spirit that, wrote, that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit in me talking right now. And so I don't need to worry. I don't need to fear, right? But it says uh, he's urging us to make a decision. I urge you, brothers and sisters. Now listen, to, like this is key. In view of God's mercy, he's saying that this is the foundation. So he's, he's wanting us to make a choice, okay? But he, making this choice to... F- Follow hard after the Lord uh, and to, to live according to God's will. That's the choice. But the foundation of that is in view of God's mercy. Let's pause on that for a second. What, like, we need to bring into focus what are God's mercies? And I think, man, this is so important. Um, and if you're here, like, um, today, you could be, uh, you could have had exposure to varying degrees of God's mercy, right? Even if you're a non-believing, atheist, um, you know, kind of uh, stone-brained individual that's conscience is completely seared, you still have been a witness to the mercies of God. Or you could be in here today and on the exact opposite scale as that other individual and go, man, I've walked with Jesus for 60 years. He changed my life and I've been following him. I've made disciples. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, man. I've gotten baptized. I've reproduced. I've borne all the fruit. And you, you, know, you, you probably have experienced a greater degree of God's mercies or at least have an awareness of them. But here's a few. And then all of us somewhere in between, okay? So a few just to put in view the specifics of the mercies of God. Remember, this is the foundation to, deter- to making a choice to submit your will to God's and fulfill literally the will of God for your life. The foundations are that you have experienced this, okay? Some of you have, some of you haven't. Number one, and it, just, these are just a few examples. One is quite simply, the justification from guilt and penalty of sin, right? God is merciful to proclaim us justified or righteous through our faith in Jesus Christ as he washes away the guilt and the penalty of our sin. Like that is the most number one and most obvious way that God has been merciful to us. And our understanding of that mercy that God has bestowed upon us is incredibly important for our foundation as we walk out the Christian life. Some of us in this room, to varying degrees, and it's okay, you are where you are, there's no shame in that, but God has you here today to stretch and grow, amen? 
So some of you have a small view of this justification of guilt, of penalty, and sin. Like some of you don't fully understand what exactly Jesus did for you on that cross. And you got to know that. And it's not, I'm not, you don't have to know that because Shay said that. It's important in order for you to fulfill the will of God on your life that you have a foundational and a vast understanding of the mercies of God. And one of those are indeed how Jesus specifically paid for your sin on the cross of Calvary. Another example of God's mercy is as a result of that, he's adopted us into his family, right? We're spiritually and eternally homeless apart from the will of God uh, by sending his son Jesus, placing our faith in him. We're literally adopted into his family, adopted into sonship. That's an example of God's mercy being in view. He placed us under grace and not the law, right? It's so important that we know that God's grace, um, that he's extended to us, meaning we cannot earn the favor of God, right? We can't literally be holy in our actions if we haven't allowed Jesus to um, uh, replace our inabilities with his abilities, right? Um, Our inabilities to please God were laid upon the feet of Jesus as We couldn't fulfill the law in our own righteousness, right? We couldn't go out and do enough good things to earn the favor of God. We couldn't even fulfill the Levitical law to perfection and still earn the favor of God. It's not possible. It's part of why the Ten Commandments were given, right? As a mirror. So we look into it and we see ourselves and go, man, we're unholy. We need Jesus, right? And so um, the fact that that, uh, the gospel uh, places us under... uh, under a judgment of grace, like have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you been forgiven of your sin? Are you filled with the Spirit and ready for eternity? You know, that is under grace. Under law would be your, your performance. Um, that's an example of God's mercy upon us is that we are under the doctrine of grace, which means we cannot earn the favor of God. It's unmerited. He just placed it upon us as we put our faith in Christ. A giving of the Holy Spirit, like I just explained, a big part of how God is merciful towards us is that he gave his spirit to us. It blows my mind, the spirit of the living God. Literally, it's, it's hard to imagine God high on the throne in heavenly places, like infathomable. Our peanut brains cannot comprehend what it's like for a holy God to be sitting on a holy throne. Can't do it. We can try, and it's fun to envision that, but that God lives in us if you follow Jesus. That should blow your mind. And if it doesn't, You should ask yourself, man, am I in full view of God's mercy? Like, do I actually understand the mercies of God? Probably not. We're all growing in our understanding of them, but man, the Holy Spirit in you, alive in you, and empowering you to fulfill the will of God is super important, an example of God's mercy. Another one is assurance of salvation, right? The fact that we are sealed by nothing more than the blood of Christ. His blood shed on the cross seals your salvation. Well, the Bible actually describes the Holy Spirit as the seal of your salvation. But indeed, you are saved by no other than that of the blood of Jesus, right? And it's, I'm thankful that we have that assurance. It's not like we don't know how to save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We do know. We place our faith in Jesus, and it's his work and his life that has saved us. Confidence in coming glory, right? Man, 
We would be lost or we would be hopeless looking at the world and having any uncertainty as to what God intended to do with the mess that humans have created here, right? We don't have to worry about that. Like Jimmy spent 20-something weeks preaching through the book of Revelation. A large part talks about what God is going to do with the church and with all of humanity in the future. We know Jesus is coming back. We don't know all the fine little details, right? Those are the minor things that we don't necessarily have to over-concern ourselves with. But one thing we know for sure is he's coming back. And we know for a fact that we have a place in the kingdom of God, and he's got a plan and a purpose for us there. So, man, our life on this side of eternity is not it. Like, that's not, you know, we don't just go uh, sprout wings and fly up into the clouds, man. There is so much that God has to say about the life that we live after eternity. So having that confidence, man, God's merciful to give that to us. He doesn't owe us anything, right? He could have chose to tell us nothing about what is to come, but he didn't. He gave it to us so that we could be excited and motivated. Um, There's all sorts of promises of God's faithfulness throughout the scriptures. And more importantly, in your own life, right? You, You need to have a healthy view of God's mercies in your life in order to walk out the will of God. So that's, that's really important. Uh, we, we, we also must believe um, that the divine mercies that God has, has bestowed upon us um, have power over our own will, right? Like we all have our own will in the flesh. We have our own desires for our life. And as we're walking out the call of God as Christians, um, we have to believe that, that it's because of these divine mercies, because of what God has shown us and done for us, that supersedes our own will for our lives. And that motivates us to surrender. He goes on to say, to offer your, so after he says, in view of God's mercy, right? We kind of laid that foundation. Offer, yourself, offer your bodies or yourselves as living sacrifices, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Um, consider this isn't just limited to like the physical body, okay? Consider this the entirety of yourself, right? Your spirit, soul, flesh, mind. Offer yourselves, the fullness of yourself, as a living sacrifice. God wants all of your life. He wants all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your body, all of your soul, all of your strength. He wants all of you, right? Now, it's interesting, and we see this happening in the church a lot, where a lot of people are willing to... um, do all kinds of work for God, high levels of service, maybe even uh, high levels of faithful giving, uh, which is good, and God can work in that and use that. Um, But it's, it's quite possible to give him all of your work, all of your money, and most of your life, but never give him yourself. That's really important. God wants you. Offer your body, yourself, all of you, as a living sacrifice. That's speaking to somebody this morning. I know for a fact, man, there's uh, people in the room that are partially given over to the Lord. It's like there's the altar of God that, that the Lord asks us to lay our life on, and some of you are like throwing one foot up there, and you're like, I'm surrendered. I can't, I'm not flexible. But... Um, 
you know, and then other times, like, and I, man, I, I confess, like, I'm guilty of this, man. There's been times where, dude, I am fully laid out on the altar of God, and I'm like, Jesus, do whatever you want with my life. Take it, Lord. I'm fully surrendered. I'm all in, Lord. Do anything and everything that you want with my life. And then I start squirming. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait, I don't know about that. You know, I got to get back off the altar and like reassess, you know, and then I'm like, can I jump back up on, right? I need to stay there. I'm a living sacrifice, right? It's not dead. It's a living sacrifice. It's a daily thing, right? And so your will is to, to um, master over your, your body. The will, the will that God has put in you um, is, is to master over your natural desires, right? Your body or yourself even in the, in the flesh, um, it's a wonderful servant, but it is a terrible master. You can't let yourself, like your natural self, have rule over your life, right? You got to put Jesus on the throne of your life and let him master over yourself. That's why you're literally laying every part of your life on the altar of God, right? It is our proper place. Like when, when Paul goes on to say, um, offer yourself, uh, I'm sorry, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Like that is our proper place. Like our proper place for, for you to live out the will of God is for you to be fully laid on the altar of God all of your life, not just some of it. And some of us are squirming on and off the altar. Some of us have one foot on or a hand. Some of us are just nowhere near it. We want absolutely nothing to do with giving God our lives. And so we're here to assess that, right? Um, when it says holy and pleasing to God, I paused there because I'm like, man, offering myself up holy and pleasing to God. Not holy like W-H-O-L-Y, like H-O-L-Y, like holy, like God holy. I'm like, man, I am not. Like, I'm just not holy. Like, I, how do I offer a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God? And I just, you know, and God's saying, look, man, I'm not looking for perfection out of you. Like, I see you as you're surrendered to me. I see the, per the perfect image of my son in you. Like, remember, Jesus, um, uh, I'm sorry, God the Father, through uh, our relationship with Jesus, casts our sin away as far as the east is from the rest. Man, he remembers it no more. Like, God doesn't, he's not constantly looking down on our sin and making judgment over it, man. That judgment was placed upon his son, when we placed our faith in him, that's when it was washed away, white as snow, right? That doesn't mean that God doesn't deal with us in our sin. doesn't mean that he doesn't, uh, like a good father, spiritually spank us or parent us, right? And, and, and uh, instill discipline in us, right? But God makes our lives holy by burning away the impurities as we lay ourselves on the altar of God like a burnt offering the, the holiness of God begins to burn away those impurities, right? And it's a, it's a process called sanctification, right? You guys have heard that term where after you come to know Jesus, your life, uh, you're born again, you're filled with the Spirit of God, and you start to walk through a transformational life where God is repeatedly burning away the impurities of your life as you surrender more and more parts of your life to him. That's how it works. And he says... Um, in verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your 
mind. Man, we all know the world system, the world and everything in it, um, is, co- is contrary, right, to the will of God. And so we're, we're, we're called not to conform to the world. And we do it every day. All of us do. I do. There's, there's times where we just simply uh, conform to the ways of the world in, in a number uh, of ways. God asks us not to. In order to fulfill the will of God, we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. And then here comes that important word, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed, being made completely new, right? So how do we do this? Um, I, I, there's a, a quote from a, um, uh, an, an, a pastor in the early uh, 1800s. He says, the battleground between conforming to the world and being transformed happens right here in the mind. And you have to, a lot of times, man, people don't get any movement or spiritual traction in their life because they don't have the ability to change their mind. Literally, like you're exercising free will and you're holding firm to what you previously believed that was more in line with a worldly pattern, right? And you're choosing not to believe the good things of God that's more in line with a heavenly pattern, right? And so being transformed, going, you know, the old has passed away and the new has come, right? Part of your transformational experience, not only in salvation when you come to know Jesus for the first time, but also as you get to know him and walk in relationship with him throughout the course of your life, you should repeatedly be being transformed by the renewing of your mind. One example of this, and I was like, man, I, I, need, to, I need to give some examples of like, how, how does this come into play? And man, I'm so guilty of this. It happens to me every day. But um, one way to not be conformed to the pattern of the world and, and also to kind of practice um, being transformed in the renewing of your mind. One of the ways that you can renew your mind, okay, this is practical application, is don't base your life um, on how you feel. And that we all are horrible at that. I mean, terrible. I'm the worst at this, right? How do I feel today? Ooh, this is a good one. How do I feel about my job? How do I feel about my wife? How do I feel about worship? There's a number, you could, how do I feel blank? Anything in your life, how does it make you feel? Man, it's, if you're basing your life and your, your thoughts, more importantly, if you're basing your thoughts, because your, your thoughts lead to actions, right? So if you're basing your thoughts on how you feel, you're going to be terribly disappointed, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, and at the end of your life. Um, because you, you have got to learn how to renew your mind, right? It's not about how you feel. E- emotions and feelings, those things come and go, right? Um, it's, uh, there, here's another quote I really enjoyed. It says, a life lived by feeling will never know the transforming power of God. What we're actually looking for is the truth. And, and so, and the reason for that is, you know, um, a life lived by feeling will never know the transforming power of God because it ignores the renewing of the mind. It doesn't care what the truth is, right? And so um, what, we, what we ask ourselves is, um, what is truth, right? Instead of how do I feel or what am I supposed to do, right? We go, 
man, what is true here about this situation? What's true about my circumstances? I'll just use the job thing for an example, man. This is one that trips a lot of people up. Like, you're talking about, we're talking about, you know, the will of God, right? And a lot of people confuse that with, what does God want me to do for work? And you're totally short-selling God's will for your life if you're just confused about what job he wants you to do, okay? But using this as an example, it's like, oh, I just don't like the people I work with. Man, I don't like the environment that I'm living, man, you know? Like, I don't know, man, I just don't like my pay. I don't like how far it is from the house, you know? Or what? I just don't know how I'm possibly serving God doing this, you know? And it's, instead of evaluating how it makes you feel, you need to renew your mind and be transformed and go, man, why does God have me here? Like, and what is the, what is the truth about how I'm supposed to work? I'm supposed to work as under the Lord, right? Am I doing that? If not, none of how you feel matters, right? So you get to renew your mind and go, man, I'm here with a purpose. God has a plan for me. I can reach my boss or my coworker or the lady in the lunch line or any of that. Or maybe I'm just supposed to be here and live my life and do my job, right? It's like the old saying, man, sometimes the, the pilot doesn't have to uh, preach the gospel to everyone on the plane, right? What, what's God asked him to do? Land the plane! Like, dude, you, you crashed the plane, man. That, it doesn't matter. Like, if you shared the gospel with everybody, you just, you killed everyone, right? Uh, hopefully they all responded if you did share the gospel. But anyway, you get the point. Sometimes God's just asking you to land the plane or clean that floor or um, whatever it is, whatever you sell that product or um, market that service, right? Whatever it is, sometimes God might just be asking you to just simply do that, but do it as under the Lord. Do it as if you, literally Jesus is your employer. Um, but God's not against feelings uh, and getting things done, right? Um, and he does command us to be doers. There's, the Bible is full of commands uh, that God asks us to go and, and do. Uh, but feelings and doings are completely insufficient foundations for Christian living. They're a part of it, but they're insufficient for if you're using that as a foundation. Are y'all with me? Maybe. Okay. Um, stick with me. Uh, okay, he says, um, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, so proving, right? Then you'll be able to test and approve. To prove, you know, the proof of a life transformed should be obvious uh, to all around. It just should be. Like, there's a reason that you can look into the lives of certain people and go, man, they're walking with Jesus. They know the Lord. It's obvious. Um, you know, I, I would hope that would be true of, of my life, you know, of my wife's life, my kid's life. I just, I would hope that um, as I'm um, making a decision to follow Christ, uh, in, as I have a clear view of God's mercy, offering myself as a living sacrifice uh, to God, uh, not conforming to the pattern of the world, being transformed, renewing my mind, that I am able to test and approve what God's will is, right? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, 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 and I want my life to be the reflection. When people look into it, they go, yeah, man, God is good. I can see God in you, man. He's good, right? Um, and so uh, I want to bear with me. I'm going to bust out the whiteboard here. 
And I felt like I needed to get, ooh, I almost kicked my coffee over. Man, that would have been bad. Jimmy would have been mad. Ah, um, the Lord's mercies. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I, I like using illustrations, uh, and so I hope this helped. I'm absolutely not an artist, okay? So um, bear with me here. But as I was thinking, yeah, that's good, man. That is good, man. Okay, um, so as I was just thinking, I'm like, okay, I, I, Lord, I want to make sense to them. I want, uh, and I want, I want you, I want what you're saying to, uh, to make sense to me. And so um, he kind of just gave me some imagery uh, of a tree, okay? Bear with me. And this is why I said, when Sean said roots, I knew God was like speaking to me. So these are tree roots, not the hand of a sloth, okay? Um, okay, the, these are the four things. Now, if you're taking notes, whoa, whoa, whoa. you can either draw a fancy tree if there's enough room in there, or you can simply, um, uh, you can simply take down this list, okay? Um, but if you want to know how to live out the will of God and kind of get a picture or a framework of your life, this is what it looks like. There's four things that we read in the text here that ought to help us. So the first thing is to keep fresh in your mind the rich mercies of God. That's the first thing. To fulfill the will of God is to keep fresh the mercies of God in your mind, both or past, present, and future, okay? So number one, the will of God for our life is to keep fresh the mercies of God. Okay? Past, present, future. Okay? Now we're building a root system here, right? And I'm going to build on this. The second one is to yield your entire self to him. Entire self, right? So uh, this is the part in the text where he says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So the second part of fulfilling the will of God for your life is to offer all of yourself to God. All. Lay it on the altar. No squirming on the altar. Lay it all down. You cannot fulfill the will of God for your life if you're not willing to give your life to him. That's pretty sensible, right? Number three is resist the conformity to the thoughts and actions of this world, right? So just literally, I'm going to put up here, don't be like the world. Okay? And I put on, I, I was thinking about this and I'm like, man, what does that look like? You got to wash yourself in the word as often as you bathe yourself, literally. Man, I shower, I'm kind of a one a day guy. Really, you guys have one, one shower a day? Raise your hand if you're two showers a day. Nobody in here showers twice a day. Mama Coop, man, that's why she always smells so good. She, she, she washes twice a day. That's awesome. So I, I didn't know threes in here. You know, 
We got a three? Dude, that boy's clean, man. That makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, man. Well, um, so that, that's awesome. But literally, man, as often as we bathe ourselves, we ought to be washing ourselves in the word, right? We're thinking about and hearing about things in the world, and it's polluting our minds. It just is. Like, it pollutes my mind. I spend a half hour on Facebook, and I just feel disgusting, you know? And so I need to wash myself from that. And I'm not saying Facebook is pure evil, but I'm telling you, it makes me just feel filthy with the world, right? I get filled with insecurities and I start making judgment about people and, and I start questioning my, uh, my, my path in life. And then I, you know, it's just littered with uh, unhealthy, ungodly emotions and thoughts, right? And so I got to be careful on that platform. It doesn't mean I can't use it. It just means I need to wash up, man. You know, if you get dirty, dude, you've got to take baths often. And the word is our, the bath for our soul, okay? Um, and then the last one, this fourth one, is a focus on God's word and fellowship with him, okay? So I'm going to put God's word and fellowship with him. And with, and with him is important. Man, because I love fellowship with you guys. I totally love my family, my spiritual family, my church family. I'm looking around at so many faces, and I have love for every one of you. But it is a tragedy if I spend all my time with you and none with the Father. Like, what a sadness, right? Fellowship is good. But in order to build roots and, and fulfill the will of God in your life, man, you've got to be close to the vine, right? Jesus said, man, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. I could be the most hip church pastor dude on planet earth. And if I spent no time with Jesus, man, what a worthless ministry. You know, it's like, man, you, you got to be in the word of God. Let it wash you and just be in fellowship with him, man. Love him. Love him like he loves you. It's not possible, right? In reality, God loves us way more than we can love him in return, but we ought to be trying. We ought to be offering him the best of our love, right? And, and speaking of this, man, I, I, I remember like with my relationship with my wife, Molly, man, I love Molly, man. My wife is amazing. And I remember, and I love her now more than I did when I first met her. But I remember that fresh love when I first met her. I remember uh, putting her on the back of my scooter in Fayetteville, man, and riding around town. And going to like Interjuice in, uh, in Fayetteville, you know, and taking her on a little date. And I thought, man, this is awesome. Like she's cool and she's beautiful and she's not like some of the others that I've, you know, uh, hit my head on, against the wall with. And like, man, she's so special. And then I remember I was up uh, for summer, man, I was taking summer school because I was behind in my classes, okay, and uh, standard. And she, I was, you know, a little bored and just doing my thing. And uh, man, she made a special trip. She was back home in Texas. She, one summer, she made a special trip up there to spend a few days with me because she missed me. She loved me. I felt loved. I was, uh, she went out of her way to do something for me. And that's how it is with God, right? And, and, and as I've grown in my relationship with Molly, though, 
I don't like quite, I mean, I kind of miss that scooter, man. That thing was awesome. But I don't quite have that same love. I wish I did, and I kind of still want to like restore some of that. But my love for her is so much deeper now as I see her mothering our children and, and being a, a wife to me and um, walking out her call, the, the call of God on her life and ministry. And they, I'm like so proud of her, and I'm so excited. And like I spend a lot of time with her, right? And I really frankly, don't get enough time with her. I desire more time with her. It's how we ought to be with the Lord. Like, man, just our love grows. And if your love's not growing, um, it's, it's cracking. It's fragmenting. Like, that's, that's the reality. And so, not to uh, labor too long here, and man, this is, a re- this is like a West Texas oak, man. Not real tall, okay? Um, but you've got some branches here, okay? Bear with me as I struggle. God, God's with me. Okay. Yeah, dude, nice branch. Preston, what do you think about that? Dude, it's a nice load-bearing branch. Okay. Um, so uh, as um, just in summary here, like these are the roots of your life. Like if, if, we want, if you want to know what is the will of God for my life, it's right here, man. Keep fresh God's mercies in your life. And some, man, there's people in here that don't know this part. And so like, as Jesus calls us, man, like out of the will of God comes discipleship, right? It's like, man, Jesus said clearly, go and make disciples, right? That's what we do, okay? But we don't do that. We don't, we can't like grow the, the trunk and the, uh, the tree without having any roots, man, the first windstorm that comes by, and that thing's dumped, right? I mean, the strength of your ability to, to, to fulfill the call of God is to first align with the will of God. Are you tracking? So Jesus says, go and make disciples, man. And that's as we, you know, and where we see God work and where we start to bear fruit is in parenting. It's at school, right? It's at church, okay? It's uh, in the home, you know, we get a little, it's in our marriage, right? There's others. It's in our fun. Man, we don't want to forget about that. It's in our fun and recreation, right? It's like, as you're building your life, man, it's like you, first of all, you have to have a story, man, about how God has transformed you first, like your salvation experience, critical, essential, mandatory to fulfill the will of God for your life. You have got to have a transformational story about how you came to know Jesus. And then you offer yourself as a sacrifice to him and as a result of that, right? And then you, you, don't, you start to act and think and talk and sound different than the world, right? And it's a practice. It doesn't happen overnight, but you're filled with the Holy Spirit and he shows you the things of the world and the things of God. And then you start to have increased fellowship in him. And as you walk in deeper relationship with the Lord, you start to have a heart for the things that he does, right? And so as you go and make disciples, Man, you start bearing fruit in areas of your life, right? So like parenting, man, what does God's word say, right? To like teach your children, right? Teach your children the ways of the Lord. When they grow old, they won't depart from it. So you do that, right? In your marriage, man. Men, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Are you doing that? If you're not, realign, bro. 
Like, you, if you're not, it's because you can't or you're deciding not to. It's one of the two, right? But man, love your wife like Christ loves the church, man. Like, uh, even at church, dude, like you can bear fruit, build relationships. This is your family, folks. This is your spiritual community, literally your heavenly family. Um, build those relationships and let God use you, extort and encourage um, and motivate, challenge your brothers and sisters. Iron sharpens iron, right? In your fun. Man, there's, I like to have fun. Dude, I like to have a lot of fun. I like, I like everything fun. Dude, I like hunting, fishing, uh, sunny, sunny days, the beach, the lake, boating. Oh, man, you name it, dude. I like golf, bowling. Y'all like activities, man. But if, if I kind of in a broad stroke look into my life and go, man, I'm having a ton of fun with no fruit on the tree, it's worthless. I ought to, be, I ought to have fruit on the tree, man. So as I'm hunting, fishing, golfing, baseball, whatever, there ought to be meeting people, right? I cannot read the book of Acts in the first century church without people uh, that says, but daily they were added, right? And why? It's because people were talking about Jesus. I'm not saying you got to talk about Jesus in every conversation or every encounter, but as a broad stroke, if you look at the last two years of your life and in all the areas of your life, you should see little apples, you know? Woohoo, woohoo, right? You got fruit on the tree, right? And as that fruit then falls to the ground, I don't mean backsliding, I'm just painting a picture here. As that fruit matures and falls to the ground, it drops seeds, right? And you help other people do the same thing. You help other people establish the will of God for their life as you're fully living yours that God has called you to. Does that make sense? Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the book of Romans. Thank you for Paul uh, teaching us about what your good and perfect will is, Lord. And I pray that our lives would be proof of that. Lord, I just love each and every person in this room, Lord. I have a heart for them to know and grow in you. Lord, help us as ministers of the gospel and as an organized staff here at this local church. Help us to raise these people up, Lord, to be fruitful, mighty trees, heavily rooted in the ground with massive branches, with fruit coming down that we can all enjoy at the table uh, when we get to be with you, Lord, in paradise. Lord, I just ask you, I ask for your favor, Lord, for your blessing over this body, and um, we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So now I, I'm going to turn this service over uh, to the band um, and they can go ahead and play, but I want to share something like, um, oh, we got communion today. Sorry. Two things. Do we, are there communion cups? Oh, okay. Hey, thank you, man. Iron sharpens iron. Um, I don't know what that was. Uh, okay. One, two things. We will be, first thing is communion. We'll have communion here and Sean will, uh, and the band will lead us in a song. Partake of communion as you feel led, certainly. Um, but I, even not necessarily more importantly, but I, I feel like I'm supposed to ask you guys today, like you, I, you couldn't over index on this. Um, I came to know Jesus in a church just like this in Fayetteville, Arkansas. God was stirring on my heart for years, and I finally committed. 
I finally surrendered, right? I finally came to the realization that God had been merciful on me even though I was completely undeserving. And I literally walked up to a stage like this and gave my life, man. And we don't altar call here very often. In fact, I don't know that I ever have when I've preached. And I know Jimmy doesn't do it often. And the reason for that is that we don't want to be that like pressury old school church that's like, you yeah, man, come down here. And, you know, we don't want it to be fake. And, and that's, that's real. That's honest. But at the same time, if God is stirring on your heart and you're like, dude, I don't, I'm not sure, man, that I know Jesus. I know for a fact I don't have roots that are firmly established in the will of God for my life. And I need to be saved, man. I need to give my life to the Lord. And I'm telling you, this stage is here for you. And the most important thing that you could say to God is, I'm sorry. You cannot come to the throne without humility. Can't do it. When I came, and you don't have to be crying when you give your life to Jesus, but it wouldn't surprise me if you were. Because if you're really sorry, God, through the Holy Spirit, will overwhelm you with all of the things that you and I have done that are completely, uh, makes us undeserving of God's love. But yet you'll feel him go, man, I love you. And, and I died for you. And I was hanging on the cross and I thought about you, man. And I still think about you. And man, I want to live in you. And I want to give you hope and a plan and purpose. And I'm not here to fire you up in some emotional um, riffraff. It's just, if you need to give your life to Jesus, man, right here is a fantastic place to do it. And you can do it in your chair. No doubt about it. But that chair might allow a seed of doubt that Satan will plant in your mind to just do it next week. And you ain't going to do it. It might need to happen right here. And I, that was not part of the plan, but um, I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm going to be right here. If you need to say, man, I'm ready to give my life over to Jesus, come talk to me. Come talk to me. I'll be right here, and I would love to lead you to the throne. The rest of you, Sean, will lead us in worship, take of communion, and I'll turn the service over to him. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.